0: Welcome to the Chronic Spoonful Podcast, where we discuss real life with real chronic illness. Each week, we'll cover an aspect of real-life Spoonie living and what that can mean for different chronic illnesses. We hope this will be a place you can go for updated Spoonie info and where you'll find humor, because, you know, we're a little crazy, important information, and community. As a disclaimer, we just want to remind you that, yes, we'll be talking about chronic illness and health information, but we are not your doctor. Everyone's chronic illness is different, and we are absolutely not MDs, so we are not qualified to give you medical advice. We're going to tell you unequivocally to discuss anything we talk about on this podcast with your doctor. All right, everybody, we'd like to welcome Lauren Fairbanks to the show. She is the host of Enjoy the Journey podcast. And that she, the podcast is one that talks about migraines and positivity and living positively, which, you know, it's just amazing. We all need to live more positively in our lives. And it's just very inspiring. Um, And she's here to talk to us today a little bit about migraines and living her life with migraines. But before we do that, um, she's also writing a book about living with migraines and um how to live your life more positively and that's going to come out at the end of the summer so we're really excited about that um especially for me because i do suffer from chronic migraines so i'm excited to read that at the end of the summer so we're going to be talking more with her then again when that book comes out because um any one of you who suffers from migraines you know what life is like with that and uh so but we're excited to have her now to discuss more about migraines so welcome lauren welcome lauren thank you so lauren we're going to start off by you telling us a little bit about your story kind of your journey with migraines and like you know when you were diagnosed what your what your journey was with the wonderful wonderful world of migraines
1: okay so i um Initially got migraine, my first migraine attack really started when I was about nine years old. Most people that know the patterns of when migraines usually happen for women, it's usually like puberty or just before pre-puberty. P- pre-puberty forgive me can't get my words straight right now but so nine years old was just a little bit early for them to be looking at migraine for me just because like I really hit puberty and started like growing and everything like that when I was around 14 and that that, that was normal for my what they were looking at and so when I initially started having like a migraine cycle attack where it was just a cluster of coming in like weeks at a time where I just couldn't move and stuff like that, uh, the doctor's were like, yeah, you got to get her into an ER, ASAP, go see what's going on. Like you want to get all the scans to roll out any potential, um, brain diseases, tumors, anything that, that was, uh, that diagnosis also paralleled that migraine. Cause my parents were pretty sure with a family history that it was migraine, but Again, you can't always be overconfident when it comes to your health and you wanna be 100% sure. So I went and had over a week in a hospital um, as, as a n- little nine year old. And I just like, remember being like, I am dying. <laughs> I am oh, no. dying and I was okay. so sure of it. And they just like, they didn't really have anything that helped. At that point, after a week, I was still sick and they were like, well, we have ruled out that you don't have any terminal going down right now. So we're just going to send you home. And so I was able to do IV therapy and everything from home, which was better because it's always nice. Like I, I had in the middle of five siblings. So it was nice to be around my siblings again and and able to like play with my little sister and stuff like that, but still like really hard. And then a year of that progress. And it was just still migraine every day for a year after that first day. And my parents were were a faithful family and and definitely have a lot of faith in God and whatnot. And so we were praying and trying to figure out like, what are we supposed to do? Like, come on, we need something. My dad, um, there's a lot of physicians in his side of the family. So we called up his uncle who who used to be an Ian. EN- E-N-T, ear, nose, and throat doctor. And he said, have you looked at the scans of her sinuses? And he said, no, the, the people at the ho- children's hospital wouldn't let us see the scans. So I couldn't read them myself. And he said, I'm going to request a copy. Go get her a present scan right now of her sinuses. And looking from a year ago to then the present, I my sinuses were diseased when I initially had that week-long visit. But then a year later, my sinuses were so diseased and inflamed. They were more, each of the nine sinuses in my head were more than three times the size of what they should be. Wow. And you could hardly see my brain through the stands because the sinuses were so bad. Holy cow. Isn't that nuts? That's like, insane. Yeah. Yeah. And so my parents were like, okay, well, this makes a lot of sense of why she is so incredibly sick. And so I went in and I had my sinuses decompressed and drained and cleaned out. And also I had my tonsils and adenoids removed at the same time because they were harboring that same um, illness, like all the germs and everything that were reinfecting. So that actually helped me. And I just had epixotic migraines after that for a couple of years. And then. I was still, we were still looking around for a lot of doctors and I would go home in tears after so many visits because there were doctors that would be like, it's in your head. And I'd be like, you're right. It is in my head. It feels like my head is going to (laughs) explode.
2: Exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. And so. And so my, my mom was just very, a very patient person with me and was like, okay, we will, we will find you someone eventually. And I found my migraine. He's a migraine specialist. His name is Dan Henry. He's, uh, practices mainly out of the, uh, Salt Lake city area. He also travels around and does conferences. He's turned his entire practice and has Done everything migraine focused, migraine centered. He like lives and breathes it. He knows this disease inside and out. He's the one person that I've ever met that has not had chronic migraine but knows what it's like. And so I've just like felt super blessed to have him. And he then at like 12 and a half diagnosed me with chronic migraine because I was just having more than that. Just basically means you have 15 or more migraine days a month and when you're not actually having a migraine attack, you're recovering or still experiencing brain fog and different things. So it is a chronic illness. And so he helped me find medications that would actually, even though it didn't necessarily take them away, they could help and help me be able to just function a little bit better. And because he has so many patients and so much experience, he was able to then help me figure out like, School programs and suggest different school programs so that way I knew how to get in the right atmosphere so that way I could still continue in my studies and that but not get behind because that was the biggest thing that was probably like tagged alongside with migraine was anxiety and depression because I just am that A type of personality that wants to go and conquer the world like if I didn't get higher than a B plus on a test I was just shattered. I was the kind of kid that couldn't be late to school, and so I just, I, I was so, I was really hurting at that time more so from depression and anxiety than the actual migraines themselves. Even though they knocked me down so bad physically, the emotional side of it was, was probably the harder point at that time, at being 12 and a half and wanting to uh, run cross country and do all the things that I wanted to be doing but couldn't. and so. Getting into an atmosphere and program that I could excel in was was really key to being happy with with my life. From that point on, I did more so of a home-based schooling program, which even if you're not a homeschool man, I highly suggest anyone with kids with any form of chronic illness to really do your research and look into alternative programs, because even though it didn't sound like something I'd want to do, it made the world of difference for me and was wow. so much better
0: for me. Great.
1: And so I was able to, when do- you did, well,
0: can I ask a question just to interrupt? Oh, go right ahead. Home yeah. school, did you still like, Were did you still have social activities with other kids?
1: yes yes I wasn't pulled from everything so my it was more so uh we call it a hybrid program right and so like math English all the um academic core classes were on my own time on my own schedule Mm -hmm. and then I would have different things so like um I, when I was in sixth grade at that time, the school that I was going to, it was still in an elementary school and not middle school yet, but my teacher and everybody else would give us a schedule of what would be happening that week. And so my mom and dad would take turns driving me back and forth during the week to the school. And so that way, you know, I could go for a couple hours Right. Uh, but not wear myself down to the point. And so like, if I knew they were doing the science fair, I did my entire science fair project from my bedroom <laughs> with my parents <laughs> and their help and everything. Like I was in my bed. We have pictures of it. It's really fun to look back on. Actually, it was a, <laughs> a good experience, but, um, and then we just drove down and I did my science fair project and then was there a little bit for the science fair and then went home And then actually got to go back then to um, district and regionals and, and do that there too. So that was kind of a fun moment for me. But yeah, so I definitely was not pulled from all activities. I still did horseback riding lessons and dance and church activities and other like schooling extracurriculars that the school offered, um, such as like tutoring. I was super into that just to keep up on. whatever subjects I was struggling with I would go to like the tutoring groups after hours and that was nice because it was smaller groups and allowed me to to like kind of have the quiet (laughs) that worked a lot better when you have that migraine you know.
0: They just Um, want to be more flexible around your migraines, which is great.
1: Yeah, 110%. So with that hybrid schooling program that I did all the way through the end of high school, I was actually able to like finish high school curriculum by the time I was 16, because like I'm that A-type personality. So I just like, when I worked, I worked hard and and just plowed through. Mm. And then I was able to do through the local high school, it's $10 per college course and so I was able wow. to do a bunch of college courses for super cheap from 16 to 18, um, which was really like a huge benefit. And if I was smart, I would have gotten like done classes that would have equaled an associates, but I just did whatever I wanted. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's okay too. Cause you to learn more about yourself that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. So that's what I did is I did whatever I really wanted and, and had fun with it. But then back to the timeline of migraine, um, the longest migraine I've had to date was 30 months straight.
0: Oh my God. Holy
2: cow.
1: It was, it was the most, like if when I tell people, if I had to describe to somebody what it's like to walk through hell, I would say a 30 month long migraine. That's what I would tell them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so I, uh, So at that time, I, it was from when I was about 13 to almost 15 was, was that two and a half years of incredibly tough migraine that knocked me on my butt. But I, just between the medications, the migraine itself, and then like nausea and vomiting, other, you know, symptoms that come with that migraine. My body was so malnourished and unable to absorb nutrition due to like medication side effects and everything else going on Mm -hmm. that, like, I was almost 45 pounds or a little bit over 45 pounds overweight, underweight at my lowest. Holy cow. I was, (laughs) my siblings called me Schmiegel. Oh (laughs) no. no. (laughs) just because I was so so skinny and like scrawny and gross but it's true anyway but uh nearing the end of that 30 month period I just remember being so out of life I was like I'm I'm ready to be done I'm ready to tap out I don't want to fight anymore medications aren't working and if a lot of them actually give me side effects and make things worse I just, I don't want to keep going. And my dad is in the medical field and he likes to study a bunch of surgeries and different new, new medical uh, techniques. And so he said, I really, really, really want you to think about having this procedure done by this doctor. His name is Dr. Guyron back in Cleveland, Ohio, and he's taken what used to be a forehead lift and transformed it into a surgery which is nerve decompression for migraines and so as just like the medical background for people who aren't familiar with with the anatomy of a migraine is your blood vessels and muscles in your head and around your brain are pulsing with your with your blood you know per every heartbeat that is pulsing and so that causes the pounding feeling that many people feel And so he goes in and oftentimes those blood vessels will be hitting into that nerve. And so if you cut them back a little bit, it doesn't press up against that nerve. My my parents were like, I know you're exhausted. I know you're tired. Please, please like think about this and we will do whatever we can to get you there and, and have this surgery. And so at that point I was like, okay well, what do I have to lose? And they were like, nothing, you don't have anything to lose. <laughs> oh. And so uh, we went back east to Ohio and, and met Dr. Guyver and came up with a surgery plan. And the average procedure time is about three hours and mine lasted over six hours. And so they, I came out of surgery and he explained to my family and I, that um, and I, I was like 15 and a half at this point. He explained to my family and I that my blood vessels and muscles were wrapped around my nerves, coiled like a snake. Oh, wow. Oh my
2: gosh.
1: Isn't that insane? Like, it's unheard of in anatomy textbooks. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so they had a detangle and basically, I mean, unless it's a God given miracle, that migraine would not have ended without that.
2: That's a miracle. That's yeah. a miracle you had that.
1: Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, I know. It's a blessing in and of itself. And so that was that was huge for me and huge breakthrough for for about 18 months. Again, I wasn't chronic. I was episodic for the next 18 months after that procedure. And then since then, up until the time I'm almost 21, I've been chronic. So that's really been my the the main key points in my migraine journey and and learning to live with it I've had over six procedures to include like uh, sinus decompression as well as the turbinates I've had the nerve decompression done three times and now have a, a lot of scar tissue in those areas and so I can't do it again otherwise it just causes more and more problems so I've had Botox done, and for a while it worked, but then I kind of built up a little bit of a tolerance to it. And so, as they upped my dose, I kind of got what they call a lazy eye, but it's not it, naturally; it's that like relaxed. Anyway, so we had to work on that and stop doing Botox. I've been on just about every single class of medication there is, and those that have worked have been wonderful. I nor But I have experienced side effects for just about every medication. And so it really does, isn't it? It's like you take one medication and then you take another medication to counteract that medication. And Mm -hmm. and it goes on and on and on.
2: Yes, that is so true. Uh, Nicole
1: knows
0: nothing about that.
2: I swear half my medications are meds to like take the side effects away from the other medications. It's so ridiculous.
0: Right? Yeah. It's
1: insane where it's like, whoa, I'm like, shouldn't be having kidney stones, but hello, here I am. Like.
2: Yeah. And there are always these awful, awful side effects. You're like, I've never even heard of that before. What is that? I didn't know this could cause that. And it does. It's awful. Lauren, I was going to ask you for the the procedure that you had when you were 15 and a half and they, they, you know, did the, did you, can that be done again? Or is that something that can only be done once in your lifetime? Like if, say, if you needed it later on.
1: So I've had that done three times. Oh, okay. And so I've had that done three times. And so since I've had it, I always have had it in the same areas, which is, um, just in like my middle eyebrow area. And then they go in behind my eyes in that optical nerve that gets really pinched for a lot of migraineurs but yeah. go in through behind my eyelids anyway. So those are all, and then the back of the occipital nerve
2: mm-hmm.
1: at the base of your school is also a very common area for me to, for a trigger point. And so those areas have a lot of scar tissue now. And so that like my migraine physician, Dan Henry, that I was telling you about, um, he, he's like, I highly suggest that you don't do it anymore because you just have so much scar tissue buildup that it's just going to keep building up and pushing on that nerve, potentially even worse than the um, blood vessels and muscles themselves.
0: So I, um, so you said now though, that you're a little more episodic. One of the things that migraine suff- suffers t- tend to do is track what triggers their migraines. Now you, you've talked about pressure on your nerves and your sinuses. Are there other things that trigger your migraines? Like for me, metric yeah. pressure and sun and heat. And so for you, what are some of the things that, that trigger your migraines? So for me,
1: I'm actually chronic currently and have been chronic, um, quite some time, but my triggers are everything from foods to, okay. So here's, here's the easiest way I've had it explained to me is this is actually a really cool thing that I, I learned when I was learning to rule out my triggers and all that is I had a which doctor, a voodoo doctor, like a naturalist holistic lady explained to me, <laughs> the most common trigger amongst all migraineurs is dehydration, right? Yeah. And then the second following up really close behind is foods across the board, whether it's low sugars, low protein, something you're allergic to, that comes in as the second most common trigger. What we don't really realize, though, is migraines almost Every single migraine that you can like record on record of being under a study is there's a significantly low number of oxygen in the brain, and so when you think about it, how long can you go without food? Like maybe thirty days, and then how long can you go without water? I think it's seven, and then
2: you can't. And then pretty sure how
1: how long can you go without air? Like five minutes, if that. So so air is actually one of like the biggest things for migrainers across the board is we tend to be shallow breathers. And so when you're under a migraine attack, especially for me, it's breathing exercises and it doesn't take it away, but it gives me something to concentrate on and eventually will help me.
2: <laughs> but that's great that it helps though. Somewhat.
1: Yeah. Like it, I still have, I'll still have my two to three hour of just like rolling in bed, whatever. But eventually, like, it just, I feel like I've gotten enough oxygen or something. Does that make sense? My yeah. body yeah. Yeah. feels a little bit improved. You still feel like you're hit by a bus, but you're you're okay. just a little bit better. <laughs> do,
0: you, do you have a sign when you know a migraine is coming on? You
1: know what? Um, I haven't really gotten anything, like too many signs I do my worst migraine attacks that have been in a pattern and because of a specific trigger will be the night before I get my period that's coming yep. yeah Hormones, yep. the night before I get my period I will have such a bad migraine attack that like it but it is just given and so if I don't necessarily if I'm not tracking my period and everything like that my menstrual cycle um it will just spring on me. But if I am tracking my menstrual cycle, then I know when that migraine is going to hit. And that's the only one that I can really say I have a sign for, but that's because I'm a girl and I can track, you know, the time
0: of month. Yeah. For me, it's like, I I get, I start to kind of, it's, it's not even brain fog because it's, it's not foggy. I just kind of lose sense of reality or i get like pressure, dizziness, the halo. It i guess they call it a halo around things and I, and i'll get that and then i know it's coming. And then sometimes i'll just get like what you would call a regular headache, a regular person's headache. It never stays a regular person's headache. It it right. always goes straight like it'll be like, "Oh, my head kind of hurts." Oh, yeah, that's great. And if i don't take care of that headache at that point, it's going to go full blown migraine. It doesn't like, I'm not that person who can just take a nap and that migraine goes, or that headache goes away. Cause everyone's like, oh no, just take a nap. It'll go away. I'm like, you are so funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. Thank you for thinking that. But um, I'm going to go take a lot of medicine and <laughs> um, let it eat my stomach away. Then my headache will kind of subside for a little bit. But I'm going to be sick the rest of the day from the medicine that I'm about to take.
2: Yeah. No, I had a, I, a question for something. I'm sorry. I didn't, I just want to make sure I'm understanding when you say chronic migraine, does that mean you have them every day?
1: Yes. Every oh. day, every day since like, so 18 months after that surgery that I was talking about, I was only episodic for 18 months after (sighs) that. And then it turned right back into the chronic and I've been chronic ever since. But yeah, I normally, I usually wake up and like, it takes me a good 30 minutes most mornings to be like, okay, I'm going to peel myself off the bed.
2: (laughs) So I understand that.
1: Yeah. So that's been my my like daily routine, I guess, is, is waking up with migraine, going to bed with migraine. But usually I, I try to, I call it waves is the best way I can explain it to people Is if like, you're looking at like a sound wave board of, I will have peaks of, of pain. I think it's most important for people to understand that migraine is not a headache. Um, Kelly was talking about where it's the regular person's headache <laughs> it, is a headache. But migraine is a neurological disorder, and chronic migraine is a is a disease, is is really classified as a chronic illness. And you it's headache is one of many symptoms that can occur when you undergo a migraine attack. However, I often when I'm experiencing migraine as I say I'm a chronic migrainer, my head pain isn't always the the main symptom going on. Oftentimes I'll have that brain fog. I'll have just like a general fatigue and tiredness. I've even had muscle spasms, muscle like pains and and that sort of a thing. I've I've studied migraine a lot, especially you in my
0: you can have migraines in, in different parts of your body. And that's what other people don't understand. It's not always just a headache. You can have muscle migraines. Right. Yeah. And people don't, don't know that there's, there's I didn't know people people that. They can have muscle migraines.
1: Right. And so, like I was saying, like in my studying for, for this book that I've been writing is I've done a ton of just like scientific research to learn the sides of this that I've never really learned about before the onset of the trigger of a migraine, whether that trigger is caused by food, by lack of water, or any other trigger that people might have your, your brain, just like a seizure, because we're in the same family of epilepsy, your brain misfires a neuron that sends out a chemical release that goes out because your brain is the engine. It talks to your entire body. It sends out that chemical release that then sends out the messages to your entire body, right? And the most common receptor is those muscles and blood vessels in your head and around your brain that then pulse. However, like you're saying, because it goes out to your entire body, you can have them in any muscle group. You can have them in all your muscles. And that's where it comes very relative that we're in the same family as epilepsy and seizures is because you have that in your, in your muscles. Abdominal migraines are extremely common, but even more common to go undiagnosed because people don't really pick up on it. They don't want to look into it, nor are there enough physicians that specialize in it and understand it well enough to say, this is what you have going on with you.
2: I, this was so informative. I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning <There's>, so much. <laughs>
0: well, because so many people just associate migraines with a headache. So mm-hmm. they think you know, oh, it's just, or like, I, I remember for when I was first going through the diagnosis for migraines, I, my first doctor just was like, oh, you're depressed and put me on antidepressants because they just thought I was getting migraines from being depressed. That's not at all what was happening. Um, Cause I wasn't depressed. <laughs> Sorry, not depressed. I have anxiety, but I wasn't depressed, so that didn't work. Actually, the medication they put me on made my migraines worse, and that was horrible. I became like angry and in pain all the time. And then, yeah, they did brain scans, but it, like the the stuff that they were looking at didn't show anything that they thought. All they were looking for was like cancer, so they're they just want to know if you're dying. I mean, I was lucky enough to do this as an adult. I can't imagine going through it at nine or, you know, nine years old. That's so scary. And then they just start throwing medication at you here. Sorry, you're on your bed and want to put your head through a wall. Cause most of my migraines are, you know, always they're the pain in my head. And so they just start throwing medication at you. And for me, you know, it started with Imitrex, which worked for a little while. And then it stopped working and it started like, giving me like really bad stomach pains and, and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not faulting Imatrax It works for a lot of people. So if anyone's taking it and it works for you bonus, because what works for one person doesn't work for another. Everyone's got their own thing. Like I know people that do Botox and it works great. I know people that have gotten the piercing in, I forget what the part of the ear is called.
1: It's called a day's piercing. I have it yeah. actually. Yeah, I, you know, I since I'm still chronic, I won't necessarily say that it's it it's a cure all. But I will tell you, if I take out my piercings, that when it starts, like, because your body does start the healing process within a couple hours after you you take out that that piercing, my I will get the migraine from hell. Really, <laughs> just, just being honest, and and it will like I will be nauseous and vomiting within. A couple hours, just as soon as that healing process starts and it starts closing off, it's insane.
0: <sighs> not, not I, uh, you know, science experiment, but let's let's not vomit too much, <laughs> right? <laughs> let's not put ourselves through that much pain. But yeah, I know people that have gotten the piercing; they've seen like great results with it. Just it, it, people try a lot of different things, and for some people, these things have worked, and for others, it hasn't. For for some people, it's worked for a period of time and then it stops. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of treatments out there, but um, I think in the end, for me, I take Topamax, which works great, but every once in a while, it doesn't. Every once in a while, I get triggered, like, you know, a very, very swift change in barometric pressure and I am done. Like,
1: oh, same, same. Yeah. I don't know. I'm in, I'm in Northern Utah, but we have we have had over a foot of snow in the last couple days. And, and Sunday, Sunday night is when the barometric pressure changes happened. And I was like, the weatherman is a liar. It's it going to storm. I promise you yes. it is April and we are going to have a snowstorm. I was like telling people, they were like, you're, you're, you're crazy. Like not my family. They knew, but the I was like, yeah, we're going to have a snowstorm this week and people are like, whatever, Lauren, <laughs> say what you want to say.
0: Yeah, it's not the arthritis that feels it. It's my head. Like my head is like, oh my gosh, the barometric pressure is changing. It's one of my biggest triggers. And it's so funny because it's like other people are like, it's so like food and it's, it's water. And I'm like, barometric pressure. They're like, how do you know this? I'm like, I have tracked it. Yeah. It's but- barometric
1: pressure it's huge it's
0: more and people don't know to
1: track it and so they don't pick up on it and they don't realize like oh it's gonna storm that or i don't know if you've had it where it doesn't even necessarily need to be a storm but like when the spring to summer happens and it oh it's so bad
2: I know every time it rains or we have a storm to not go out, I cancel all plans. If I know there's going to be a storm because I immediately flare from my lupus, I immediately get a migraine and I'm just down for the night. So when it rains and I have to go to work, I try to take medication and like pre-medicate. It doesn't always work. And I have to come home sometimes. It
0: does things, it does things to the body. People don't know what it, it, it's, they don't know to look at that as, as a precursor for what's going to happen to your body. But yeah, the, the 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 Topamax doesn't always catch it. Like it does it does a great job for like my my overall migraine health, but every once in a while I'll I'll get I'll, a migraine breaks through. It's a it's not a pleasant experience, let's just say. And and anyone who it's one of those things where I just love when people are like, "Oh, well, you know, I've had some really bad headaches, so I understand." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 you don't understand." This is, sometimes you're down for the count for days.
1: This is how you need to explain it to people because this is what I've said to people that I've just been like, oh, you know what it's like to have a headache? Okay, well, and let me show you how to add some of a migraine. Let's just like smack you over the head. No, just kidding. <laughs> not, not really. I don't do that. I love that. <laughs>
0: I but, wish I could do that.
1: Sometime. Me too. <laughs> but, oh yeah, it's definitely made me want to do that to so many people. I've like pictured myself doing it in my head and then I get the satisfaction and I walk away. But <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I tell people, I try and tell people, your headaches are like a mosquito bite. You're going to get a little red bump and it's going to be itchy and irritating. Mm, migraine attacks are a great white shark shredding you to pieces.
0: <sighs> Yeah. We're not in the same. They're not whatsoever. even in the same category. Yeah, it's it's very very different and I think like for people who are listening who who get migraines they're they're probably nodding their heads and they're going, "Yeah. Yeah, absolutely." So I I think like one of the things we we definitely want to talk about is, you know, how do we live with my how do we live with my migraines because, you know, they they can knock us down for the count. sometimes they can. Get us down that we can we can get you know really depressed and and you're so positive about it like you you have these chronic migraines, you know you have your ups and downs, but you are such a positive person so i I'd love to hear how how you've managed to stay so positive and live your life in a positive way with these chronic migraines.
1: yeah, of course so my biggest thing is that I realize. I have a different life and lifestyle than everybody else. And I am not going to fit in everybody else's cookie cutter mold. And so when I have finally, finally stopped trying to put myself to make myself fit in that cookie cutter mold, because it's like all too often, we want to make ourselves be something that we're not and fit into something that we're not. And we tear ourselves apart because I mean, it's, it's part of who I am. Migraine and chronic migraine is just as much a part of me as the color of my eyes and not change that about me. And I'm not going to go and cut out my eyeballs just to change the color of my eyes. Right? Like that would be insane. And I can't, if I could change migraine about me, I would have already changed that about me. I mean, obviously I think anybody would have already (laughs) changed it. Right. Uh, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) And so the biggest thing is learning, like I am not your typical human being. And so I'm not going to live that typical life. And what life am I going to live? I'm going to live my life and it looks different for everybody else. But for me, for a long time, you know, when I finally realized to to separate and make those separate thoughts is I had to have a low point of depression of applying for a job. I, I um, talked about this on my own podcast just a couple episodes ago, but it, I applied for a job every day for a year. And I would apply for one job, whether it was online or in person, because that, at that point I was like, okay, I just want to work a nine to five. Like I can just do that. I've gotten through so many other things. Maybe, maybe I will make this work for me even though I knew in the back of my mind and in my conscience, like it's not going to work for me because I'm different from, from your typical nine to five person. And so I applied every day and I tried to have an interview with somebody every day. And for close to a year, I would, and I thought it was honest and right, especially when like help, benefits are included. You can't like lie to somebody when you're applying for a job and and writing down everything for like what would be your health insurance and then once you get hired be like, "Oh yeah, I have a chronic illness." <laughs> Hi. You know, you can't like do that. They're going to like call you out on your crap. They're going to be like, "Dude, that wasn't honest." And and it's true. So, I would be up front with them and say, "Okay, yes, I'm not your typical person, but I I put in the work. I put in the effort and every day, we're going to hit a little bit of a road bump, a speed bump. And all I ask is that you and I, you know, I'm here at this job working for you is all that I asked is that you over come over that speed bump with me every day. And nobody really wanted to do that. And so that was a huge depression point for me of being like, I can't even hold a nine to five job. And, and even when it was jobs that I was applying for that, I didn't even want, it was like, I didn't even want to work there and I'm upset that they told me no. And so I turned it all around and I said, Lauren, what are, you, what are you gonna do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? I have actually done a lot of um, public speaking in, in religious settings as well as like youth groups and that sort of a thing. Um, and so I've really learned to enjoy public speaking and I thought that that would be a goal that I would be pursuing you know, when I had a stable career and money and, and things going on and I just turned around and I said, no, this is like what you're meant to pursue. Your life doesn't look like everybody else's. And so I, I turned it around and I took control of what I can control in my life. And I choose to see what I do have instead of what I don't have. And so I pursue that public speaking, I pursue my podcast and, and right now, hopefully writing and finishing up this book to say, look, I am not your typical Jane or Joe, whatever you want to call yourselves. I still get up and I try every day and I hope that you will too. Like, let's go along with just pursuing the positive side of it, of saying, like realizing what I do have and focusing on what I do have is I'm sure that you guys with your your own illnesses as you look at people who take their health so for granted and they even complain about things that like you're like, do you even realize like how badly I wish I could have the energy to go run a marathon? I don't want to hear you complain yes. about your sore muscles. Like I don't want to <laughs> hear you complain about your 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 joint pains or whatever because I would love to be going and doing that sport. Like I would love to have that pain instead of my pain. And so I've chose to look at things in my life that I might be like that about. Like I've mentioned many times, I have a really great family and I've been, I recognize that that is huge. And a lot of people don't necessarily have that. Even though there'll be times that my parents or siblings or whoever it is have absolutely driven me insane. I am so grateful that I have those people in my life to drive me up a wall. Because I know that there's so many people who would look at me and go, I wish I had a mom that cared enough about me to be super annoying, you know, <laughs> most definitely.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think you have to, I think to find the joy in, you know, to enjoy the journey, you know, the name of your podcast to find the joy, you know, in anything it's, it's about finding the things you can be joyful about.
1: and it might suck right now if you have a migraine attack and whatever but like at least you have a bed to lay in right at least most definitely especially after like learning about third world countries and and Mm -hmm. whatnot and and their health care I just tell myself I would rather have my chronic illness where I am than anywhere else in the world oh my gosh yeah
2: Most definitely. Yeah. Cause I mean, we, we really do have access to such amazing medical care, you know, when there's so many places that have nothing, you're just on your own clean water. Uh
1: like, So that's like huge is, is just something to take your pills. with.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) I mean, I know, I know we, we, we say, you know, we don't like when people tell us, well, it could be worse, but I think sometimes When we need to, when we need to do our own introspection, when we're feeling like we're spiraling downward into our own self-pity and we're spiraling downward into like some depression or feeling like we can't, we're nothing because we're, you know, we have this disease. It's always, we can't, we can't. I think sometimes we have to think about, it could be worse. You know, we have, we have to do it for ourselves. It's different when we do it for ourselves than when, you know, Uh some Joe off the street says it to us because it's like, uh, who are you to say it could be worse? Only I can say it to myself. Okay.
1: <laughs> right. Yep.
0: Or oh. somebody
2: else with a chronic illness reminding you right. like, Hey, you know, we have a bad, but just keep this in mind. And like, Lauren, you talked about your family and how supportive and great they are. I think it's so important to have support, you know, when you have any type of a chronic illness. I mean, it, it means, I mean, so much more than the non-sick people really have an idea that that extra support and encouragement.
0: And, and right. can be a lot of different things. So Family can be, you know, friends. Family Agreed. can be a support group. Family can be like we, we Nicole and I talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, we have these support groups on on Facebook that we, it, you know, and and you're a part of them, you know, where you can go to ask questions, to vent the things going on, because sometimes you just need to vent, but you need to vent to people who are there with you, who understand. Get it? Yeah. And, and those can be a pseudo family in themselves too. And so you you need those supports, you know, that, that helps us live our daily lives sometimes just to be able to get the, the things that are going on with us out, just get them out in, into the, into the universe. So they say, and, and sometimes like, you know, you're Lauren, you're, you're a faithful person. It can be prayer whatever religion you happen to be it could be whatever type of prayer you have it's it's a lot of different things that that really can be supportive and and help us live our daily lives it can it can be you know i'm feeling this way talk to a doctor
1: yeah and i always tell people i always tell people i'm like first thing is your your pain is valid you can recognize it you can you can be mad about it you can scream about it you can give yep. yourself a timeline and you it's okay to not be okay And be mad and feel the depression, anxiety, feel everything that comes along with it. Like, allow yourself to not be okay. Yeah. But then give yourself a timeline and say, okay, then I'm going to try my best to pick myself back up. And if you don't have that support system, the first step is finding a support system. And so, like you've said, the Facebook groups, the online communities, like Aren't we just like, isn't it amazing that we have this crazy technology that we can meet people across the country, across multiple countries yeah. that that have our same issues that we wouldn't otherwise meet and that we can go on there and, and like you say, vent to somebody who gets it. Cause it's one thing to like understand, but it's another thing to walk in those steps. Yes, Absolutely.
2: It really is. It makes a huge difference when someone, you know, un- totally understands and was like, oh my God, I was there yesterday. And you're like, finally, someone who doesn't think I'm crazy or who doesn't think I'm making it up or it's all in my head or, you know, they can really truly empathize from a completely different perspective.
0: Yeah, it's a world of difference. It's a world of difference because sometimes I'll just go on and I don't even have to vent. Someone's already venting about something they're going through. And I'm like, oh, that person gets it. And it just makes me feel better. I don't even have to say anything. Uh, All I do is I reply, me too. And I feel better because the person already wrote how I was feeling. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that really helps us live our our lives in a, in a more positive way. And, and honestly, Lauren, I'm really looking forward to your book. I think you have an amazing story. I think you, you are, you are young. You have been through so much with your migraine. You have, you have such a, positive energy. And I think that's going to translate to other people and that it's going to be contagious. Yes. And I think that can, ta- I think we need to be more contagious in our community. There was a statistic we said last mm-hmm. week that I thought was very shocking that like 40% of all Americans have a chronic illness. 40%. That's, that's huge. A lot. That is a huge number and that can be very depressing for a lot of people. And I think we need to be the positive for people and show them you can live with a chronic illness and live, not just live, but live. And you can live a vibrant life with it. It, you know, maybe not 24 seven, but you can live a vibrant life with your chronic illness because you can, you know, you can find the joy.
1: Right, right. Life is a journey. You got to learn to enjoy it, right? <laughs> exactly. Definitely.
0: Exactly. So um, that's the time we have for today. So I'm going to say thank you, Lauren, for being on the show. And when your book is ready, we're definitely going to bring you back because I want to talk more about that and your journey to writing it and what's in the book. So because we, we're going to talk more about that. But thank you so much for coming on and chatting Me with too. us
2: lauren you were amazing you You just are so inspirational i mean like i feel so inspired by you seriously i just love what you said and i really appreciate you sharing it
0: yes yes and For for everybody listening we hope you have a good week and we will chat with you again next week
2: bye everybody talk to you next week